Good morning, everybody. Hope you have had a good day so far. If you are joining us online, thank you so much for tuning in. And again, if it's your first time, we're just glad that you're here uh, at South Point. We have been going through a series for quite a while now where we're really just looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and we call it the greatest sermon. It's the longest red-letter section of Scripture where it's to kind of warn against some things that can crop up in the Christian life um, and pull you away from God, can steal your joy, and he addresses those issues. Within Christianity, there are two sides that definitely aren't the middle. In the middle, you find someone that's walking with God. You find someone that's growing, that's maturing. And on these two opposite ends, on one side way over here, is something that far too many Christians fall into, and it's apathy. The apathetic Christian is the one that's just not doing anything, that sees this almost as a hobby or some obligation, and they don't really get involved, they don't really do things, they don't really grow in their faith, and apathy is something that is killing a lot of Christians. Maybe not physically, but from a spiritual standpoint, they are missing out on so much. The gospel has so much for us. Like when we are following Christ, when we're enjoying him, when we glorify him, when we walk in that and we grow, we find that life is indeed better. We find that God has provided so many opportunities for us to grow, to serve, to do different things, to enjoy the company of other believers, to grow in that fellowship. We find that that is missing. And apathy is one that too many believers fall into that, where it's just... I don't really get it today. I'm, I'm not really feeling growing. I'm not really feeling doing anything. And apathy is something that is unbelievably dangerous. And then on the far, far other side of that is what we're going to address today. And it's the overly judgmental Christian. It's that person who has kind of grown in their faith to the point where sometimes they get it in their head that my will is always God's will. And they've become unbelievably judgmental. And you find that person and you typically don't want to be around them, right? You find that they're not really soft. They're not really loving. That idea of love is kind of missing there. And the judgmental side comes out so much that you don't want to be around them. And sometimes you don't want to send other people their way either. Like I have been around Christians and I have invited people to a church that wasn't my own before, which is weird, right? Like I've worked at places where I knew, hey, if you were to go, someone is going to say something as soon as you walk in. And so I'm going to invite you to church. Unfortunately, it's just not my own church, which is weird. And I don't ever want that again. So I like inviting people to South Point because I love being here because it is a welcoming environment. And when someone walks in, the first thing that's going to be said to them is, hey, we're glad you're here, not why are you wearing that? Or why are you not wearing that? Like it's I've been in places, and you've probably been around people, and hopefully it's not you because we're going to talk about that today, where the judgmental side, it doesn't really expand the gospel either. And Jesus is going to address this because apathy in Christianity is something that's dangerous, and the overly judgmental side is dangerous as well. And Jesus addresses that in Matthew chapter 7, and so we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 7. And Jesus says this, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment which you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye where there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. And then, you'll be, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, 
this section of scripture, we kind of have to set it up a little bit because one, people that are outside of Christianity, people that are like far from God, who really want nothing to do with them, who would say, man, I don't even believe in God. They know this verse, right? Like it's one, hey, only God can judge me or hey, I know that Christians aren't supposed to judge other people and that kind of gets put out there a good bit. And we also, when we read this, we go, well, man, this can be confusing, Because within scripture, we know not long after this, Jesus talks about, hey, you're going to be known by your fruit. Like you're going to, in fact, be judged in that way. There's certain sections of scripture where Paul, in like two different sentences, is like, hey, don't judge people. Judge people. And then you go, well, what, what do you mean by this? Like, what, what he's talking about here, this is, this is not a universal, hey, we're just accepting of everything within choices, lifestyle, all that kind of thing. It's, it's not saying that. What this is really getting at is there's an attitude when it comes to judgment. And that attitude is one that we see spring up over and over and over again. And that attitude is something that we have portrayed to other people. That attitude is something that we've expressed to other people. When it comes to judgment, attitude is at this kind of core of what's going on. And this is what Jesus is trying to address. He's going to deal with the attitude that most often accompanies judgment. And also, there's a personal aspect to this. You notice he says, judge not that you not be judged. So many times we're worried about other people judging us for something, but this is where this becomes personal. He says, hey, this is about you. This is about you and the judgment that you cast on other people. He says, the measure uh, you use, it will be measured to you. Now, when it comes to measurement and when it comes to judgment, this is how it often looks. This is how we measure ourselves, right? When we look at our actions, when we look at the things that we do, we kind of put them in this size. And we go, hey, you know, yes, I may do some things, but it's, it's not really that big a deal. Uh, yes, I, I, I have some faults, but not as much as that guy over there. And when we begin to measure other people, we pick this up. Or maybe a bigger one. This is just the biggest one I could find for illustration purposes. But this is how we begin to measure other people. Our actions don't seem that big, but man, when we look at somebody else, we can find every single fault. The measurement that we use is not the same scale. And oftentimes, we'll look at something that we do in our own lives and go, it's not that big a deal. But then you watch somebody else do it, and we begin to cast judgment. We begin to make assumptions. We begin to say all these different things in our head, and we cast judgment on people. We forget or we want grace when it comes to us, we want judgment when it comes to other people, right? That's why whenever I'm driving, if I happen to be going over the speed limit and I get pulled over, I am praying for grace, right? Let this be a good day for the officer. Let me know them. I know a couple of them in town. Let this be a good moment of grace. Like, let this be an illustration for this officer. But if it's somebody else and they go speeding by you, Or maybe they're riding your tail and then they go around you. We don't often pray grace for those people. We pray for justice and mercy. Let there be an officer right around this corner. Let it be a bad day. I mean tickets. I want someone going to jail for going five over the speed limit. Like we we judge quickly, but we want grace for ourselves. Like the measure that we use is often misconstrued. And Jesus reminds us, hey, the measure that you're using for that other person That's going to be brought back on you. So think about what you're doing. Think about your actions when compared to someone else. Because this idea of measurement, oftentimes, it just doesn't add up. 
This last week, I'm about halfway through it, there's a documentary on ESPN called Long Gone Summer. And if you were alive in 1997, 98, you kind of know that was a big year for baseball because there were two guys that were chasing a home run record, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire was one of my favorite baseball players, and it had been a little bit since I had really watched baseball. And I remember tuning in, and I didn't even recognize who this human was on TV because I don't know how we're the same species. Like, in 1997, Mark McGuire was a mammoth of a man. Uh, He got nicknamed Colossus. Uh, His forearms were about the size of my head. Uh, He could hit baseballs to the moon, in fact. Um, Wasn't human because there was some steroid use going on there. And I watched that this week, and what I found myself doing, I also coach a little league baseball team. And I found myself earlier this week getting frustrated with kids. I'm like, why can't you hit like him? (laughs) Really? (laughs) One, let's not encourage seven and eight-year-olds to use steroids. And two, that's a grown professional athlete. And I found myself going, hey, I'm going to measure you with that, not this. You're a young child learning, and yet I'm trying to compare you to something that isn't even, no pun intended, in the same ballpark. But so many times in our lives, this is what happens. We forget that, hey, the measure that's going to be used with us, we're trying to put it on someone else. And Jesus goes, hey, you, you need to remember some things. Before you start to try and judge that person, remember that you're going to be judged in the same way. And then... What we find is finding something to judge doesn't mean you are seeing clearly. A lot of times we try and look around and we try and find faults in other people. We try and find all the different things that we need to point out to someone and go, hey, let me help you with your life. And Jesus gets a little comical. Like people talk about Jesus is always painted in this picture. He's always dry um, and he's really dainty looking in most paintings. Um, he, was, he used humor at times. And he does it here, because in verse 3, or verse three says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? And here's what this looks like. So you got a buddy, and yeah, he's got some faults. They look like this, though. A little speck. If you can't see online, I'm holding a toothpick. Our camera quality may not pick that one up. But... The way that he illustrates it, he says, hey, you're worried about this. Yeah, your friend has a fault. And meanwhile, this is the literal picture he paints. That you have a log, you have a plank, you have something sticking out of your face. And yet you go, hey, buddy, um, I've noticed some things about you. And I just want to talk for a moment. Because I care. I'm worried about your soul. And you don't realize how idiotic you look because this is going on. And he says, hey, look, you've got a log sticking out of your face and you're worried about this. It doesn't make sense. Like you're forgetting that, yes, you have areas in your life that we, you have to work on. And do we mess up in this? Oh, my soul, yes. We, we have a tendency to see the faults in other people's lives before we see the ones in our own. And do we mess up in this? Most certainly. Like we mess up and we cast judgment whenever we gossip. And you say, man, I've been looking at someone's life and I've got to talk about this and I've got to make sure everybody else knows about it. And you're forgetting, hey, that's not what we're called to do. Like we, we, we miss the mark there. 
we miss the mark even in something as wonderful as like doctrine. Like, is doctrine important? Yes, very much so. Like we say at South Point, we're committed to God's word. We, we want to walk through this every single page of it. But if we're not careful, we can become judgmental about doctrine. In fact, we do it very often in the church world. And it's one that it's not unifying, it's dividing. Now, there are times where, yes, we need to come forward and say, hey, I, this, this is something, we, this is what we call close hand. We're close handed on this issue. And then there's some we go, hey, we're kind of open handed. Because for far too long, people have said, hey, my theology is better than your theology, and we cast judgment within that. And I have to watch that personally because my, my camp that I kind of fall in is very, very bad about that. About judging others and going, hey, why can't you just be smarter? <laughs> like, why, why can't you think deeper? Like, if you want to sit down and go through all of Scripture, no one in this room will fall in the exact same place on everything. I know that because I have good friends that I love. We can sit down and we'll, we'll have dinner and we'll talk theology for hours. And if we talk long enough, we will find an area where we go, I don't see it the same way that you do. There's just far too many things. And so if we sit here today, I can tell you, man, if we want to divide, man, just start talking about what you believe. Like I, I go back and forth on young earth, old earth. I'm reformed. I am fairly indifferent on end time uh, philosophy and things like that. Like if I sit here long enough, someone will go, I'm not with that one. I'm not with that one. And we cast judgment on it and go, well, that's not going to bring us together. When in fact, maybe instead of casting judgment, we go, hey, what's the most important thing? Like, if, if you're kind of new here, at the end of service, we're going to pray for a church. We do that every single week. We pray for a local church in the Abilene area. And I can tell you, we have prayed for some churches that, from a theological and doctrine standpoint, we are not on the same page. But it's things that we're kind of open-handed on. If it was close-handed, like, if you can't get behind Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then, yeah, that's not even a church. Then we're not praying for that. But there's some places, instead of letting it divide and casting judgment, we just said, hey, like, we're going to love people. We're going to pray for other people around us. We're, we would rather be unified than divided. Like once a week, I get together with a group of pastors, and we talk through a lot of different issues. And I look around, it's because it's on Zoom, and I look, and man, theologically, we are all over the place. There's a number of different doc, like, uh, denominations. You've got some Church of Christ guys, you've got some Baptist guys, Methodist guys, Lutheran guys, Presbyterian guys, the non-denominational folks. And if we wanted to, we could sit and argue for an hour, but instead, during that hour, we pray for one another. We pray for our city. Why? Because we feel that instead of casting judgment, it would be better to be unified. But sometimes we let something as beautiful as doctrine divide us. We mess up in this when we think about the worst in other people. We mess up in this when we judge people by their worst moment and not everything else. And you think about that for a second. We are not going to get into what's the worst moment in your life. Because I don't want to deal with that right now. <laughs> and my mom's going to watch this later. <laughs> but you, you know, man, there's some times where it's like, man, that wasn't a good one. Wasn't my best day. Wasn't my best moment. Didn't react well. Didn't think well. And sometimes we judge others by that moment and not everything else that's happened. And think about all the other good things that may have happened in your life. Think about the times where you're walking with God and you're growing, you're doing it right. And man, it's a good moment. And so to be judged by that one thing can be very dangerous. 
But far too often, we look at a situation and we cast judgment on people in their worst moment and we forget about the others and we forget about our own. We mess up in this area when we cast judgment when someone's in a circumstance or a situation that we haven't been in and we don't understand. That can be a really tough thing. There's times where we cast judgment on people and we don't stop to back up and go, what would I do in that situation? Or we think what we would do in that situation, but we're not there. Sometimes people get put in really tough spots. And the judgment element may not be the best thing for that moment. But again, we, we, we mess up and mess up in those times. We need to do a better job. So before you judge, look in the mirror. Before you cast judgment, before we cast judgment on anything, we look in the mirror. Because here's what he says. Verse 5 is tough. He says, you hypocrite. When Jesus uses that word, it's not a pleasant thing. Like, it's not something that was meant to be nice. Like, he is calling people out. He is saying, everyone that is sitting around, that has been listening to this sermon, as he's taught through all these different things, and he's talked about, blessed are these people, and he's talked about how to manage your money, and how to have treasures in heaven, and how to pray, these beautiful things. He's still talking to that crowd, and he goes, if you are casting judgment in these areas, you hypocrite. Like, that's... People, if they were dozing off, they looked up at this point because, like, did you just call me that? Yes. He says, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Don't neglect the log in your face. As he's talking and he's making a joke, like, he's not saying you really have a plank of wood sticking out of your eye, but he's saying that. If you, if you get so focused on other people and you forget about your own faults, he says, hey, don't forget about your plank. Like, it starts with you. If you want to see clearly, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brothers. The hope would be, do we want to see clearly? Yes. Do we want to be in the same place we are spiritually today a year from now? Hopefully not. Hopefully we have grown. Hopefully you've experienced new things. You have found more ways to love God. But he says, if you want to see clearly, it starts with you. It starts with you acknowledging, okay, I've got some issues, and my issue is like a log in my face. He says, take that out of your own eye. And then you can see clearly to help your brother. Because hopefully that is also an aim and goal within our lives. It's not so much to cast judgment, but it's to help one person move forward in their relationship with Christ. Because here's a neat question to ask. What upsets you about another person's actions? Is it the person or is it sin? Because if it's the person, there's an issue there. Like, that's, that's not so much the thing. Like, sin should be the thing that upsets us. We should want people to be able to move past that, to enjoy life more through a relationship with Christ, to, to grow if they are a believer, and to remove that area of their life. Like, we hopefully will be able to take the small speck out of someone's eye because we care. But when we do that, we've got to approach it in love. Restoration has to be the goal here. It starts with you. It starts with us going, okay, I, I realize the, the faults in my life, and I'm going to work on them. I'm, gonna, I'm praying through that. I'm confessing that. I'm working on it. But then when I do see a speck in someone else's eye, it's not that I run over there just to beat them down. Restoration becomes the goal. That's why in Galatians chapter 6, 
Paul makes this comment. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Restoration's got to be the goal. And as we approach someone to deal with a speck, we do it in love. We do it because we care. We do it with gentleness, restoring that person. And then Jesus makes a very different comment. Verse 6 of chapter 7, he says this. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. It's kind of random. <laughs> He's going off on judging. He, he just made some illustration about somebody having a piece of wood in their face. And then he just brings up pigs and things like that. And dogs. What he's getting at here is this. Wisdom balances love with discernment. When it comes to this verse, he says, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. When it comes to judgment, when it comes to things like that, there is a little bit of discernment that goes on there as well. He's saying, hey, I, I want you to remember there are people out there that are going to be very hostile to the gospel. And we know that. And we see that. And a lot of times, we, we, I feel like we see it from afar. Like we see something on television or we see what's happening, persecution in other countries and things like that. And we see it from afar and we know it's there. But sometimes we forget, like even nearby, like there are people that are very hostile to the, to the gospel. That's why scripture says, wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the one that leads to eternal life. That's a hard thing to wrap our minds around at times. But what he's saying there is, hey, there's a wide path and there's a lot of people on it. There's a lot of people that are hostile to the, to the gospel. And so when it comes to certain things, we say, hey, this, this is where discernment comes in because this, this is for believers. Take communion. We do communion once a month here. First Sunday of each month, we celebrate that. It's a way of remembering the sacrifice that Christ made for us. But we always try and be really clear. When it comes to communion, we believe that is for believers. That is a thing that believers, that people who are in a relationship with Christ, followers of Christ, whatever Christians, whatever name we give there, we say, hey, this is for believers. And if someone is still walking and, and, and trying to figure that out, you know, maybe it's like I'm, I've never really been around church or I've just got lots of questions. I'm trying to think through that. We, we say, hey, now's a good time to reflect on that. But we believe that that is a sacred thing that the church has been called to do for believers. And so it doesn't go out from there. Like now we say if anyone's here and, you know, you don't have to be a member, you can be visiting. But we just say, hey, from a believing standpoint, this is for believers. Even when it comes to this. In the world of honest, what is the church for? Believers. Like, Scripture is written to believers. Now, we want to be inviting, we want to be welcoming, we want to preach the gospel every single service, but when it comes to who is the body of Christ, it is believers. And what is our greatest pearl? The gospel. It says, don't throw your, your pearls to the swine. They trample it and attack you. Our greatest thing that we can give to the world is the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ came to this world, lived a sinless life, was crucified so that our sin could be paid for. 
That's the greatest message that we can take. And so the question kind of becomes, well, how far, do we, how far are we willing to go with that? Depends on what God's calling you to do. There have been some times where I've gone and done some ministry that people were like, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. I remember being in New York City years ago, and there was an opportunity to go out to some, to some homeless areas um, where drug use was really high, where there were a lot of people that, um, gosh, how to word that, um, their jobs weren't legal, and they were women. That's all I can do with that one. Um, and we had some leaders that were like, no, nah, not doing that. And I was young and single and like, no, let's go love on these people. So a bunch of us loaded up and we went and got to minister. There's been other times where several years ago, I took a group of students to Houston on a mission trip. And we went to Fifth Ward. If you're not familiar with the Houston area, Fifth Ward is not the nicest area. It's a really rough area, in fact. Very high crime, very high drug use. Uh, And I've got all these little suburban kids there. It's great. Um, I got a phone call, like, I told everybody where we were going, but I had a parent that called the first day that we were there, and they were like, I didn't realize where you were going. It was like, well, it was written on everything. Um, and she was concerned, like, her daughter was going to get kidnapped that night. And I was like, I promise we have security, it's going to be okay. But we're also discerning. And so I'm walking with a group of students, and I stopped them at one point, and I said, hey, we're going to have a little object lesson. I said, do you see that house? Yeah. The one that has, like, no roof and there's a sheet on the door, and people keep going in, but nobody seems to come out. And that man that's standing outside doesn't look really happy. Yeah. I said, that's a crack house. And we are not going to go there. I'm not going to take a group of students into that place right now. This is going to be a discernment moment. And so how far does that go? It depends on what God's calling us to do. But there are times where we go, hey, it may not be the best thing right now to approach that. But again, we leave that within God's discernment of how far we take our greatest pearl, the gospel. Because the good thing is, we don't experience as much hostility as we think. Yeah, someone may not believe what you believe, but it's probably not getting trampled and attacked. And so we love. When it comes to judgment, we say, hey, I'm I'm going to use the same measure in my own life elsewhere. And love people like Jesus did. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, when we think about judgment, one of the biggest things is just remembering that we're all on the same page and the fact that we're imperfect. Our sin separates us from you. There will be judgment within that because it's coming from a holy and perfect God. But in your grace and mercy, you've made it possible for us to experience forgiveness. And so, God, if there's someone here today and they've just, they've wrestled with that. They've wrestled with the idea of, okay, what does it look like to have a relationship with you? God, I pray they know this. That we do believe in the full gospel. That yes... We are sinful people, but in your grace and mercy, you sent your son, Jesus Christ. You made a way for us to experience forgiveness, and it comes through a relationship with him. And so if that is you today, if you're in this room or you're watching online and you've never had a moment where you've said, yeah, I want to turn away from my life and I want to turn to Christ, 
you can do that. There's no crazy hocus-pocus. It's just acknowledging, yes, I know that I am a sinful person, but I want to turn away from that. I want to follow Christ. I want to make him Lord of my life. And in that instant, there is forgiveness and there is grace. And God, as we grow in that, God, I pray that being overly judgmental is not something that we're known by. That restoration would be the goal at all times. That we would do it in love. That that would be something that we are known for. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.